Hey guys, it's Tyler. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast today where we talk faith, family, and focus in your life and your leadership. You know, juggling all of these things, it is so hard to keep track. Sometimes our heart can become so restless under the stress and the responsibility of all these facets of life. And that's why I wrote my book, Restless, Finding Rest in a Restless World. You can go to my website and get a free copy of that book, a free paperback copy of that book at tylerarobertson.com slash restless. So if you haven't done that yet, head on over to my website and do that. Grab a free copy of that book, Restless, Finding Rest in a Restless World. And with that, let's dive into the episode. Welcome to the Navigators Podcast, the podcast that equips men and women to steer the course of biblical Christianity in our culture today. Each week, we discuss faith, family, and the cultural trends that are sure to impact the local church. Join Tyler Robertson as we study God's Word together. My heart truly hurts for many American families that live every day with a dire need of just someone to biblically lead them. For several years, you know, I've served in youth ministry. I've served in youth conferences, Christian camp. I've been a school teacher for many years. And I can say, for several years, I can say without hesitation that today's generation, the struggles that they face, is a pure result of a lack of biblical authority. Many of them. Not all of them, but many of them. And I've noted, too, that people that have abandoned church and have abandoned God's word, many of them are simply individuals who have been deeply hurt by leaders, uh, maybe by an unbiblical action, or whatever the case may be. And not in every case, of course. Leadership is not always uh, the fault for people leaving. Sometimes people, it's a it's a misunderstanding or, or just a miscommunication. And people, what do they do? They always blame the person at the at the top of the hill, right? The buck at the top of the hill. And so it's not, we understand sometimes that's perceived mistreatment. But understand that many people, many people, the struggles and the wounds that they have oftentimes comes from leaders not doing their job biblically. And that challenges me. That challenges me as a young preacher. That challenges me as a young husband, as a young father of three. Uh, That challenges me to do God's will, God's way, to lead my family, to lead the the small amounts of leadership that God gives me now, to lead that biblically, to be faithful in what's small, so that if God ever entrusts me with something more, that I'll be faithful in that as well. Listen to these statistics. Across the U.S., the Census Bureau Um, has estimated about 19.5 million children, more than one in four, live without a father in the home. Think about that for just a moment. One in four live without a father in the home. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Uh, That's five times the average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. That's 10 times the average. And then researchers at Columbia University found that children living in two-parent households with a poor relationship with their father are 68% more likely to smoke, drink, or use drugs compared to all teens in two-parent households. Teens in single-mother households are at a 30% higher risk than those in a two-parent household. 85% of all youths in prison come from fatherless homes. You think leadership's important? I think it's important. 
Listen to these statistics as well from Barna Group. They did a study on pastors. I think it was about 1,054 or 58 uh, pastors across the U.S., and this is what they came up with. 80% of pastors identify as depressed. 94% feel pressure to have a perfect family. 81% say they have no time for their spouse. Think about that for a moment. 81% of these pastors, these a little over 1,000 pastors survey, 81% of them said they have no time for their spouse. 80% says of these pastors, say ministry has a negative impact on their family. 81% say they don't have a close friend. And most pastors juggle, on, on average, about 16 tasks every single week. So there you go. The data proves it. Leadership has severe consequences. And now there's it's multifaceted. So many of those reasons and different things and, and why pastors battle depression and why there there is a fatherless homes. There, there's so many facets of that, and I understand. But I'm trying to relate to you the importance of a leader in the home, the importance of a leader to do his job biblically in the church or whatever, whatever area of service that God has given you. Maybe it's your kids, your stay-at-home mom, and you have kids. You realize that God has entrusted you with a spirit in your home, right, to invite the Holy Spirit into your home. So God has entrusted you, anyone that's listening to this, with some type of leadership. And leadership has severe consequences, whether that's good or whether that's bad. And I think our world is begging for guidance. We are There's people that are begging for people to take a biblical approach to leading their homes, their churches, their businesses, everything. And I, I, well, where do we go from here? That's the question, right? Where do we go from here? How can we be a biblical leader? And there's a, there's a psalm in the Bible that has helped me so much. I remember... Um, first coming across this psalm, you know, several years ago in, in study. I've read it devotionally, but in study, and the Lord really pricked my heart about leadership, uh, uh, about what he's given me at this moment. I think at the time I had a Sunday school class, and I said, God, help me to lead this Sunday school class just as, this is something small, but help me to lead it just as if you were leading. Let me, Lord, give you control of it. Let me, Lord, be the biblical leader that you want me to be. I remember coming across this psalm and God putting on my heart about being a biblical leader. One commentator said that this this uh, this psalm was leadership 101, and I like that. So I want you to notice just a couple things about this psalm that will help you in becoming a biblical leader. You know, David, he was a king. He was the king of Israel. He's still revered today. It's one of the greatest kings, or the greatest king that Israel has ever had. And he lays some groundwork, a small foundation of how to be a biblical leader. Look what he says in Psalm 101, verse 1. I will sing of mercy and judgment. Unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I love how he takes time to get his heart right. Because if your heart's not right, guess what? You're not going to lead right. If your heart is not happy in the Lord, guess what? Your followers and those that God has put you uh, over are probably not going to be happy in the Lord either. He says in verse 2, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart or mature heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. 
Who shall privately or privily slander his neighbor? Him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in the perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. Verse 8, I will early destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. So look what David says here. I want you to notice number one, look at David's focus. Repeatedly in this passage, we see David's I will statement. Several times he says, I will, I will, I will, I will behave myself wisely. I will do this. I will not do this. You see kind of this determination, this grit in his voice. He's saying, I will, I will, I will. And I think that's such a precedent for leadership, for biblical leadership. We have got to set what our focus is. Me and my wife were talking about this the other day, but you have to have goals, right? You have to, there has to be some type of of standard in the leadership that God's given you. There has to be some type of standard uh, that you're striving for. There has to be something that you are focusing on. It's that finishing line. It's that prize that's at the end of the track, at the end of the race. Something that you're setting your eyes on and that you're striving for. And David says, I will, I will. And there's no doubt in this passage where David's focus is. It's on the Lord. It's on the Lord. You know, it's so easy for us in leadership uh, to get focused on ourselves, right? Uh, How is this person serving me? How are they benefiting me? Uh, Are they making me look good as a leader? Are they they truly helping me? And if we're not careful, I think we can get our eyes so focused on it's all about what we look like sitting up on the throne or what we look like in our place of leadership versus what he looks like. Remember, God entrusts you with followers so that you'll that you'll train them and disciple them to become followers of Jesus. God has not given you followers to follow you. God has given you followers and, and people that you are leading to take his hand, to take their hand, and to join them together again. So he says, I will. I will. I wonder how much how much of God's glory. Uh, in my lifetime, I was thinking about this. I wonder how much of God's glory I have robbed from Him. In my places of leadership, when the focus should have been on Him and His goodness and His grace and His mercy and His help, His guidance, when the focus should have been on Him, I took the credit for it. I robbed God of what was rightfully His. And I ask you today, you know, where's your focus? As a leader, In your areas of leadership, where is your focus? Not only David's focus, but I want you to notice too, I want you to notice David's family. He focuses in here on the family. Say, well, what do you mean? Well, if you look in verse number number two, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me, I will walk within my house with a perfect or mature Heart. You know what David's saying? David was saying, I want to be thoroughly right with God. Because here's the deal, here's the truth, is that you are who you are in the privacy of your home. Who you are is completely reflected and on full display in your home. You can't fake it very long in your home, right? Your wife knows the real you, your kids know the real you, and most importantly, God knows the real you. 
And we see this, and we see this all across uh, the Davidic Psalms, how how David's heart was one that wanted to be thoroughly right with God. Lord, create in me, Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He understood the importance of walking within his house with a perfect or spiritually mature heart. Because here's the here's the deal. If you walk within your house with a pure heart, and your children know that your faith is authentic, and your children know that you believe God and that you love the Lord, guess what? There's a good chance that God is going to bless your leadership outside of the walls of your home. There's a good chance if you decide, and once again, you say, well, I'm not the leader of my home. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the male figure in my home. Well, yeah, but you're a stay-at-home, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. Maybe you homeschool your kids. I mean, what, what responsibility and leadership that is to homeschool your children and to be responsible for their education and to how you point them to the Lord, right? You think about how influential a teacher is. Well, if you're doing that at home, right, that is a, an area of leadership that God has given you. He's entrusted you with the spirit in the home. We say, well, maybe I'm retiring and all my kids are out. Yes, but you are still responsible for what goes on in your home, what goes on in your personal life. So God has entrusted you with some area of leadership. And we see here David's focus in on the family and his focus in on the heart, right? If my heart's right within my house, hey, where I'm truly me, if my heart's right there, there's a good chance my heart will be right in other areas of leadership. And and David knew he had to prioritize his family. He had to prioritize some things Okay, because there was a lot going on. He was a king. He was the king of Israel. He had a lot that was going on. And maybe you're the same way. Maybe you have a lot that's going on. Maybe a a lot that God has entrusted you with. And can I encourage you to focus in on your family? How are you leading your home? What hinders you from taking seriously the role that you play in the family unit? Uh, Because I can tell you right now, my friend, God takes it very seriously, the role that you play within the family unit. We all know strong churches are made of strong families, right? Strong churches are made of strong families. And if we don't have strong families, we don't have strong churches. We don't have strong ministries. And the beacon of light does not shine as bright uh, in a community if our families are not knit together and to God. So we see David's focus, we see David's family, but also we see David's friends. David's friends, he's got some friends, and he chooses his friends very wisely. I remember my uh, at a church I used to go to, uh, the sister pastor used to say this all the time, where I grew up, he said, you are who your friends are, or you soon will be. That's so true, isn't it? You are who your friends are, or you soon will be. The people that you call your team will make or break you in the game of life. David understood this. He understood the importance of wise counsel. As I said earlier, he's got a lot going on. He had an entire kingdom to run. So he had to have a group of people that will help him and not just tell him what he wants him to hear, um, but tell him what he doesn't want to hear. Tell him the problems, right? Bring to him the problems. Bring to him the truth that he needs to address. And I think there's a great distinction uh, that we would be very remorseful if we missed here. Notice what he says. Notice what David says in Psalm 101 about people that he will cut off. He says in verse one, verse 3, 
I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. And by the way, he says, I hate the work of them. I don't hate them. I hate the work of them. It shall not cleave to me. A forward heart shall depart from me. I will not know. I will not be intimately connected to a wicked person. So he says this. He says, Whoso privately or privily slander his neighbor, him will I cut off. Do you see a distinction here? There's a distinction between people that have a a foul or a perverse heart, but also a perverse perverse lips. People that slandereth their neighbor, him that hath a proud look and a proud or high look and a proud heart, him will I not suffer. I think there is such a distinction to be made there. He cuts off people that talk. Let me tell you, there are people that love to talk. There are people that love to talk and they love to share with you their woes. And as a leader, as a biblical leader, I think we've got to be very, very careful of uh, of who we listen to, who we choose as our teachers, who we choose as our counsel. What did David say here in the psalm? He says, I'm going to focus in, in verse 6, I'm going to focus in, my eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. So he surrounds himself with people that are going to advance and promote the cause of Christ, not hinder it. So can I ask you, who's your team? Who's your team number one? Who's your friends? Who you call friend? Who's the team? And are they helping you advance the cause of Christ? Not your cause. As I said earlier, it's easier for us to get so consumed with our own cause, right? With our own ambition. But who is helping you and pushing you to the cause of Christ? Who is pushing you and keeping you accountable in your area of leadership, as we said earlier, with the statistics above, that eighty-one percent of pastors in that survey said they don't have a close friend. I think having close friends that push you to Jesus is that is instrumental and foundational to you becoming the biblical leader that God wants you to be. And once again, I, I understand where I'm speaking from. Okay, I understand that I'm speaking from the chair of a young man who has. You know, Lord willing, a lot of life ahead. And it hasn't been necessarily a leader over uh, thousands or over this or over that. But God has entrusted me with some things. And I'm telling you right now, I hope and I pray that I that I sow these lessons into my heart now. If God ever entrusts me with a pastor, if God ever entrusts me later on, Lord, help me. God, help me to evaluate my team and to surround myself with people that will help me. Uh, just do the will of God. So we see David's focus. We see the focus on his family. We see his friends, who he hangs around and who he surrounds himself with. But then we see, lastly, his fight. As a leader, you have to wholeheartedly guard what God has entrusted you with. That means keeping a watch out for worldly influences that try to invade your domain, right? What come, comes across your TV? What comes across the devices in your home? Do you realize that one day I will give an account as to what kind of things I let in my home. What kind of worldly influences I let in my home. Now call me crazy. Here you go. You ready? Are you, are you go, go ahead and call me crazy because I don't have a TV. What? Did he just say that? He doesn't have a, a what? Yeah, I don't have a TV in my home. Now, am I more spiritual than you because I don't have a TV? <laughs> no. Okay, and I understand that. But we don't have a TV in our home, really, because we don't have time for it. 
And then what do you tell – what do you – you ask people anyway that's got like cable TV or any other any other streaming TV. What do they tell you anyway? Well, there's nothing good on anyway. And so uh, for years of hearing that, I'm like, you guys have convinced me more and more to not get a television. And that doesn't make me more spiritual, but you know what it does? It does cut out one avenue in which the devil can get a foothold in my home. It does cut out the majority of the fight. It really does. And we don't have Wi-Fi in our home either. Uh, We use hotspots on our phones if we need it. And uh, we have protection set up on our devices. We have accountability with my wife and I. And uh, and we are very, very careful with the technologies and the tools that God has entrusted us with. Uh, because we don't want the devil to get a foothold. We have learned uh, in our short time of being married and, and, and raising three kids, we are beginning to learn that it takes a fight. It's a constant fight. It's a constant fight 24-7 because the devil never lets up. But can I encourage you today, if you're going to be the biblical leader that God wants you to be, um, and and you're going to do what he wants you to do, then you have got to learn to fight. Fight the good fight of faith, Paul says. He He fought the good fight of faith. He understood what it meant. As he was going from one prison cell to the next, as he was going from one persecution to the next, one people group that wasn't listening to him to the next, okay? Uh, he understood what it meant to fight against the devil, to have thorns in the flesh and things that he constantly has to push and push and push aside. So if you want to be the leader that God wants you to be, you got to be willing to fight. you got to be willing to not take the the, 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 the popular route and say, well, you know, I want everybody to like me. You know, that's the easy way. If you don't want to fight, if you're scared of fighting for uh, God's way and God's cause and God's way of biblical leadership, then yeah, go ahead. Get everybody to like you. But as my pastor says, that the man that chooses to lead his church uh, where everybody likes him usually is not respected years down the road. And I think that's so true. So Lord, help me to sow the 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 truth of biblical leadership in my own heart in my own life uh, so that I may do exactly as God wants me to do in my areas of leadership so let me encourage you let me ask you are you the leader that God wants you to be today in your areas of leadership are you self-reliant are you it's my way or the highway I'm I'm leading with an iron fist or are you a spirit-filled leader that is reliant on him and on him alone. Notice David's focus. Notice his friends. Notice his family. And notice his fight. Thank you for listening to The Navigator's Podcast. Visit tylerarobertson.com and subscribe to our readers group for helpful articles, podcast updates, and book releases.
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you want to read more articles, listen to more podcast episodes, or find more resources, you can go to tylerarobertson.com, tylerarobertson.com, and subscribe to all of that. We would love to have you as a part of our community as we grow in our faith, family, and leadership focus. 